on Tuesday, I had a meeting with someone who's very active in our yearly meeting. Our yearly meeting, by the way, for those of you who don't know, is a kind of gathering of local Quaker meetings. Um, and we're a part of Sierra Cascades yearly meeting. During our time together, I heard them describe the struggle of our yearly meeting to find its footing. I heard about the difficult meetings that have happened where competing visions of how to help this organization thrive go toe to toe. There are people who feel a deep need to preserve and protect and others who see the need to innovate and challenge. And all of these people get together on a Zoom call and try to figure it all out. It seems more often than not that these types of meetings descend into despair. Relationships start to crack. And over time, folks begin to distance themselves. Over the last 12 years, there have been several examples of this in my work, both on the yearly meeting level and here at West Hills. But once we started coming back together following the height of the pandemic, I noticed that the number of these contentious conversations increasing. In fact, it often feels as if all of our work together as the church is currently steeped in this frustrating and confusing haze. On Wednesday of this week, I happened to find myself bumping into thinkers who are attempting to make sense of this stage of life we are in collectively right now. Because it's not just Quakers in the Pacific Northwest who seem to find themselves entwined in this maddening culture but almost every community, industry, and organization appear to be facing this. It feels as if bemoaning supply chain issues or labor shortages have replaced talking about the weather as our small talk topics. Ethnography is the scientific description of the customs of individual people and cultures. One of the world's most famous ethnographers was Arnold van Gennep, who is best known for his work studying and defining rites of passage ceremonies and their importance on human culture. Some of van Nepp's findings are steeped in presumptions of the patriarchy and rigid gender roles. So I lift up his voice with caution not endorsing huge sections of his findings. And yet, his observation about the stages of rites of passage may prove to be remarkably helpful for those of us trying to find our way in 2023. Van Gennep's observations suggest three stages to rites of passage rituals. They are separation, liminality, and incorporation. Here is a summary of the movements of these stages. The first phase of separation com comprises, sorry, comprises symbolic behavior signifying the detachment of the individual or group from an earlier fixed 
two point in the social structure. There's often a detachment or cutting away from the former self in this phase, which is signified in symbolic actions and rituals. For example, the cutting of the hair for a person who has just joined the army. He or she is cutting away the former self, the civilian. The transition, the liminal phase, is the period between stages which during which one has left one place or state but has not yet entered or joined the next. The attributes of liminality or of liminal personae, threshold people, are necessarily ambiguous. In the third phase of in incorporation, the passage is consummated by the ritual subject. Having completed the right, uh, the right and assumed their new identity, one re-enters society with one's new status. Reincorporation is characterized by elaborate rituals and ceremonies, like debutante balls and college graduation, and by outward symbols of new ties. Thus, in rites of incorporation, there is widespread use of the sacred bond, the sacred cord, the knot, and of analogous, analogous forms such as the belt, the ring, the bracelets, and the crown. The other night, my 11-year-old son and I were watching some videos online together, and during one of them, he said, man, this is like so liminal. I paused the video and looked at him confused. What in the world did you just say? He rolled his eyes in that familiar, embarrassed child of a parent not in the know. He said, it's like a vibe, you know, like a place that feels both a bit weird, but also good, you know? And I didn't at first. So I searched it. Liminal, liminal aesthetic, liminal vibe. And I was instantly fascinated that this is a part of adolescent culture right now. I want to show you some images as an example of this. So the photographer in this image described the photo um, saying it was the room he was placed in following his COVID-19 test in the early days of the pandemic. Wood paneling walls, uh, kind of an old looking chair, some carpet that looks like it has stains on it. Many of these images are of abandoned malls or hallways void of human activity. There are images that feel oddly eerie and yet comforting. An old pool that's abandoned. Nostalgia is at play. These are images of former life, perhaps um, Perhaps it's in its innocent simplicity, but always a reminder of something that used to be of a bygone era. This is the Oval Office in between presidential transitions. This photo was taken March of 2020. This is a photo of the International Space Station at night, which has been described as liminal in its feeling. Why are young people so interested in liminality? Could it be that we're in the second stage of a mass rite of passage 
for all of humanity right now. These are young people who experienced the shock of school happening on a computer, on their kitchen table, of seeing their parents wiping their groceries with bleach-soaked wipes. They experienced an intense and all-encompassing shift in what was into a liminal space of confusion where school buildings sat literally vacant for more than a year. Think of the way the conversation around gender identity has blossomed so beautifully in our world. Young people are not as afraid of this liminal space as we might be, acknowledging that the gender binaries are too restrictive for their lived experiences in their body. They are themselves living in this liminal space of what was and what is coming. And each time I hear adults dismissing their journey, I hear in their words a longing to prematurely move us out of liminal space and often sadly backwards. Young people know there's no backwards. Last Sunday, we acknowledged via a play people who were in liminal or in-between spaces in their lives. A hipster losing their coolness. A health nut discovering their efforts weren't enough to keep them from high cholesterol. A wealthy man realizing he is now broke. Peter struggling against the reality of Jesus' crucifixion and with it any promise of him having a cushy place in a palace. Do we have a more profound symbol of liminality than the tomb that Jesus laid in? Imagine the pain and confusion for the followers of Jesus on the Friday night after he was executed. They themselves were propelled unwillingly into a liminal space. They had to be confused, disoriented, and longing for the days in which the streets were filled with people shouting Hosanna. In the play, Jesus invites each of the characters to walk through the empty tomb into a new life. This, in itself, a symbol of the rite of passage ritual. When I met with our Quaker friend, frustrated by the dysfunction and confusion of our yearly meeting, I began to wonder about our collective rite of passage we as a society are going through. And I wondered if naming that, we are still in this liminal space, would be of comfort to us. The things we are trying aren't working. We're frustrated by a lack of progress, of things returning to some sense of normalcy. But maybe the giant rock in front of the tomb has yet to be rolled back for us. Maybe we're still needing more time to mourn what used to be, to say goodbye to the comforts of the past. Maybe we're not quite ready yet to walk through the other side of liminality because our hearts aren't clear yet. What I think is needed more than ever is profound grace for the collective grieving the human community is still doing. We cannot and probably should not so quickly move past the horrific reality that nearly 7 million humans died from COVID-19. We want to move on, especially those of us who've struggled to remain whole during our time of separation. But we are attempting to move out of liminality by using the same methods of the past, and they aren't working. 
And thus we're invited back into liminality, having not yet completed the transformation process. I feel in my own body a ticking clock. At our business meeting last month, we heard that our financial giving was drastically lower than the than we anticipated for 2022. And if this train trend remains the same in 2023, we will need to pull from our general fund to keep the doors open. When I hear that, I feel this surge to fix it, to figure it out. How could I not? The food I put on my table for my family is intertwined in the sustainability of this community. I want this all to be figured out as soon as possible. I want solid ground under my feet and our feet. But perhaps the most solid ground we can find right now is to see what stage of our collective rite of passage we're in. That things are still inherently unclear and confusing, and yet we keep on trying. I wonder if we can transform our worry by accepting the place we're in, while actively seeking out the transformation that is coming, holding our expectations loosely, and keeping in mind that our bodies, hearts, and souls may still be reacting to the pain of separation that echoes still in our hearts. I wonder if that's true. And now it's your turn to wonder.